Hello, and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast, where every other Friday we take a deeper dive into the one-sentence reviews on shouldigoseeit.com. This week we'll be discussing Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, and Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm your host, Bill George, with me, AJ Rebecca and super producer Craig Stanton. I'm back, AJ's bitches. Back. You've apparently lost the as always, but good to have it's, you back. It's a bad day for my haters because I'm still alive. <laughs> AJ, what have you been up to? I feel like we have a lot to catch up on. Oh, man. Well, there's a couple things that happened. I'm pretty sure I had COVID. I mean, I tested negative like continuously, but like I was down and out. Fucking sick. And then I went to Charleston, South Carolina, and then I was in Myrtle Beach, and then I had a couple shoots for work, and then tomorrow, when you listen to this, I'll be in Austin, Texas. So I'm in like the busiest part of my year, but it will wind down post-Halloween so I can enjoy the holidays with friends and kin and family. Jet setter. Jet setter. How are you guys? Jet setting. So much jet (laughs) So much setting, so many movies I watch, which I'm I'm excited and TV to talk about. But how are you both, Craig? I think you took my job, so I don't know why I'm here right now. Well, you know, <laughs> someone's got to do it, Andrew. So I stepped up to the plate, did my job, tried to fill those shoes. Happy to happy to kick back and relax on this episode, though. You guys can have at it. I am great. <laughs> Glad to have you back, AJ, Craig. Uh, Craig, thank you again. An excellent job as co-host. And uh, yeah, it's just good to have everybody back together. But for me, it's been same old, same old. Getting ready for getting ready to go into the holidays. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas. But you said you have been traveling, watching airplane movies, I presume. So uh, many airplane I know some movies. of the stuff you saw we had talked about on previous episodes. So I'd love to get your take yes. on them. So fire away. And some of them were probably not airplane movies. So I watched Bottoms. One of the most original and funny movies I've probably seen in the last 15 years. Rent it, buy it. It's absolutely over the top, hysterical, crazy. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, and then I was like completely hooked. So if you like like weird, like horror comedy, but like like what's the word I'm looking for? Like not another teen movie and scary movie, like plays off other things. Like it's completely over the top and crazy. Yeah, there's some meta like, humor in there for sure. This is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It was just really good. So I Lo- watched loved Bottoms. it. Loved it. Yeah. Highly recommend. Then I watched Jennifer Lawrence beat the shit out of three people completely naked <laughs> on the beach in no hard feelings. Spoilers. Not a not a plain scene, but like, you know, it is what it is. It was fine. Yeah. You know. It's okay. Yeah, I think that was that was around about my review as well. So, I mean, it was just nice to see a comedy in theaters. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, Matthew Broderick looks like, like he's like he's like turned into like a gremlin. Looks like he's made of clay sometimes. He's a weird looking Matthew dude. Matthew Broderick. Yeah, he he gained a lot of weight and he grew his hair out and he just looks like the worst kind of person. Don't <laughs> <laughs> don't paint in a word picture for us on that one. Okay. Matthew yeah, Broderick. I mean, listen, I'm I'm a I'm a man of he's- a man of words. Okay. And then I watched two kids' movies with my kid. I watched The Penguins of Madagascar, which was a spinoff movie of the Madagascar films. Bill, Craig, this has to be one of the most intelligently written comedies for kids I've seen in a very Really? Can't recommend it enough. Oh, I was fucking <laughs> crying laughing. It was that well written. I, like... So good. Full disclosure: I've never seen a Madagascar movie or any of any of them. You don't have to, but the penguins. Good. 
Chef's okay. Kiss. Okay. Yeah, John Malkovich is the is the is the bad guy. <laughs> Malkovich. The penguins are hilarious. Okay. They're just it was a good time. Uh, and then uh, on Disney, like it came up next was Inside Out. Like after you finish one movie, it you know kicks it over. I hadn't watched it since probably it came out. Ugh, come on. What a oh, film. It's, it's top tier. Just right in the heart top hole. Top tier picks yeah. up. For me, it's like that and Wally and yeah. Matthew too. You're like top three. It was it was phenomenal. And now you're ready for the eventual and then sequel. Last but not which is outside in. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's what they're calling it, but <laughs> Maforgan, touch me where I feel things. I didn't know they were they making are, a sequel. Yeah, as I think they're going inside the that head of Riley. As that just a teen. ruined my fucking night. I thought you were yeah, well now you're geared up ready to go. That's a perfect example. I know Craig and you talked about it last time, but I'm like, why? Why? Like, it, yeah, doesn't it doesn't need agree. another thing. It doesn't need another thing. Can't prove perfect. perfection. And then, I don't know. I haven't been on the pod in about four months. We had a gentleman's agreement to watch uh, Man yes. on Fire. I've I been waiting to talk about it as well. I did do, do the rewatch as we talked about. Bro. <laughs> Man, that movie still works, doesn't it? What a trip. What an absolute weird it movie is that yeah is. i realized watching it now how i mean tony scott is always very stylized with his movies but watching a movie that is super stylized from 2004 it just it brings you back uh, it's different than anything you'd see now that's for damn sure grunge layers shutter speed yeah. pulls the color grading uh, just all know, over just, the map the color grading yeah it was oh but i love it I it still was love like it. someone was just Picking, picking different white points on every single scene. And they were like, oh, this kind of looks cool. And he was like, go for it. Um, I still think it's great. I think it's got a great script. I think it feels lived in. There's a lot of show, don't tell. It's got the best haunted past ever. Ugh. I love it. Such I love a haunted it. past. I like it. Also, yeah. it earns the yeah. runtime. Like the movie breathes. Like you get a chance to spend time with the characters. I, I, I think it's great. Yeah, it moves in a perfect pace where it sets up everything and you know exactly the intentions and the motivations of everyone involved. And then the the onion peels back and then he just starts just <laughs> yeah, owning rocking people. worlds. I forgot when he puts the C4 brick oh, up the guy's ass and ties him to the cop car. Oh my God. It was insane. Oh I uh, did not watch that on the plane. Watch that in the comfort of yep. my own home. So, yeah. Oh, so good. Good um, good rewatch good there, one, Bill. Great. Uh, dude, I also have been watching a ton of stuff. So first, I got a list here. I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it uh, succinct. First is actually an Indian movie on Netflix that was recommended to me. So it's in Hindi. I don't know how to pronounce the title. It's like John Jane. It translates to Beloved. It's also been released as Suspect X in other countries, I found out when I was looking for the title. Those are varying different... We'll call it Suspect X, because that's what it's released as in other okay. that countries. For me. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a tight little thriller. It was pretty good. It, it could have... I mean, it was two hours and like 18 minutes, and they could have cut the 18 minutes easily. So that's like my only real knock on it. But I don't watch a ton of foreign movies. I'm trying to integrate them a little bit more. So it came recommended, gave it a watch. Solid, solid movie. A little twist at the end I appreciated. So yeah, Ooh. so recommend. And then I watched a, a Hulu original, No One Will Save You. It's 90 minutes long. It's got Caitlin Dever uh, from Booksmart in it. And it's it's basically like an alien home invasion movie. Uh, and it's, it's really smart in how they use the effects because obviously it's a little bit lower budget so, since it's a, a Hulu original. 
and it's a really clever exercise in filmmaking. There's no dialogue. That's like the real interesting piece of it is there's no dialogue in the entire film, really. So you're just watching this character and you're just with her as she goes through this. And she's got a haunted past that they use flashbacks to. But again, no dialogue. So really clever. Did you say alien alien home invasion? Yes. Like signs? Yeah, yeah. It, reminiscent of. It's not human robbers invading the home of an alien. <laughs> no, no. It's a home invasion conducted by aliens, not a home invasion. Understood. Understood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of ways. I uh, yeah, I apologize. Thank I apologize. For that up. But yeah, it's good. I just, I think. Wait, <laughs> could you imagine if that was an actual movie? It's like the two guys <laughs> like, from Home Alone. <laughs> land on an alien planet. Yeah. And then they go and they're like, well, we should rob this alien family. And they're like. Blah, 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 blah. That would be sad. I'd watch that. No, it was really good, except its length. Because again, with no dialogue, and you're going 90 minutes, like you got to really keep the audience invested. And like, I started to lose a little bit. It should have been like an Oscar-winning short. They got like 40 minutes of material here, you know what I mean? But they make it 90. So anyway, it's a neat, it's a neat movie, but it's not a must-see. I watched, and then the rest, the, I watched three documentaries. I was just on a, I was on a doc kick. Crushing doc. Jesus Christ. One was called, Big Brain one Bill. was called BS High on each. It's about a guy who creates a high school on paper so that he can try to get some of that sweet, sweet Ohio high school football money and fame. But eventually he gets one of their games on ESPN which is an amazing coup to begin with. But that is kind of what triggers the collapse because then the jig's up when you have millions of eyeballs on you on ESPN. Someone figures out you're not actually a school. But it's, so it's mostly about the con man sort of at the center of that. And he's got a wild personality in the whole what, thing. But he pay kids to show up for the game? No, he like found kids and basically promised them that like, oh, spend a year or two with me at this school, quote unquote, and you'll get a chance to potentially get a scholarship or potentially go to the, like it was all like false promises to these kids who didn't have either the money or the grades or the means to go to college. He was like, play with me and then we can get you to the college type of thing. But the he old was, Scots tots, but he was conning all of them. So yeah. interesting, wild story. BS high on HBO on Amazon. I watched one called pretending I'm a Superman, the Tony Hawk video game story. And it was about the history of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater video game. Whoa. Uh, I played so much of that oh, when I was oh, same. in it's middle just school. The, oh, yeah. Tony, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 on Dreamcast. Like, come on. So it was like just a nostalgic hit because I loved the game growing up. And I discovered a bunch of music through it, which a lot of people did. That was a part of the documentary. It was about the music in it. And they just take you through the experience. Some of us organize of, our entire lives around the music in Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> the music of Tony Hawk. Some of us. I don't know who. Some point. people. And they have like <laughs> clips from the X Games and clips from back then. And where skate. It's also kind of a history of skateboarding as well as the video game. And it was great. It's just it was just a fun doc to watch. It's only like seventy minutes. It's like just over an hour. So it's just a crazy story. Really enjoyed it. And then the last thing I watched also on Amazon was The Sound of 007. It's a history of the James Bond theme and the different Bond songs. It came out apparently around the time that No Time to Die came out, so it definitely felt like a lot of promotional material for that, which is fine because I do think that is an all-timer in terms of Bond songs, even if I didn't like that movie. But it was good. It was just a good little documentary about 
the Bond music. It was cool. Wasn't Billie Eilish the first person of non-UK origin to sing a Bond song? Well, is Jack White British? I don't know. Very American. Yeah, that's what I thought. But Jack White did Quantum of Solace, which was before that. Oh, wow. Cool. Debunk so I don't, those I don't think that's it. neckbeards on One thing TikTok. that was interesting that I didn't know is that for Quantum of Solace specifically, they had Amy Winehouse lined up to do it. And she like visited and met with them and like started on it. And then obviously she tragically passed and they had a scramble. And then that's when kind of Jack White came in. But that was supposed to be Amy Winehouse, which is interesting. Not necessarily that song, but that movie. Favorite Bond song? Top of your head? I was just going to, I was just about to, I was just about to ask you. Adele. Skyfall. Yeah, Skyfall. Skyfall as well. I got a soft spot for Goldeneye because I grew up with it, but Skyfall might be. Sure. I mean, Skyfall just. So good. Banger. So, so yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> a lot Bill, of stuff. you watch a lot, a lot of, stuff. of stuff. Do you know the sun is up from about <laughs> seven to five? I know it's earlier this time of year. You don't get as much daylight, but I Christ, hey, someone I, get this guy a salt this, this, lamp. Yeah, his driveway is lined with garlic and steaks because the neighbors think he's a goddamn vampire. This is the vampire. life I lead, AJ, the life I chose. Jesus Christ. All right, let's go to the news. Bill, this episode is our last chance to dig into spooky season. So I thought we would dig in and share our favorite Halloween movies, as well as some horror movies, genre-ish, hidden gems, and maybe some top top recommendations for what people can watch as we close out quite possibly the best month of the year here in New England. So, Bill, what do you got? Spooky, I got baby. a list. I'll, I'll go. Number one, I have just a straightforward top pick is Don't Breathe. It's it's a thriller mm. from a few years ago. It feels like a few years ago. I don't know, I have no conception of time. But it's always slept on. Whenever I talk to people, they don't know it or they know of it. But as far as the execution and construction of Don't Breathe is just, it's just my like my all-time That's favorite. the one with the blind guy. Yes, yeah, the yeah, home yeah, yeah. The blind home guy, invasion, home invasion, guy. wicked good. It is just so well done. I just, I love it. So that's my top pick. Then I got a couple others. If you wanted like a comedic spin, there's been a bunch of good like comedy horrors lately. So like Ready or Not from uh, a year ago, The Blackening from this year, Megan from this year, all like newer ones that have like a comedy tinge to yep. it. Yep, Cabin in the Woods. Then Cabin in the Woods, all timer for sure. Newer, there's also been a bunch of newer horror movies that people may have missed, so that are now available to stream. So, like The Boogeyman, Smile, Barbarian, all those I would recommend. And then for hidden gems, I would say The Lodge, which is like it's like it's like an A24 movie, but it's not technically A24, but it's got the same vibe. Elevated horror, The Lodge. I believe it's on HBO Max or Max. And Coherence, which is just one of my favorite sci-fi. Like, it's a puzzle box movie, but it also has kind of got a, a scary element to it. So Coherence is another one I can't recommend enough. And then they got classics listed in here, like Black Swan, Sixth Sense, Spielberg's War of the Worlds, some classics. But that's, that's my list. Don't Breathe is my number one pick. And then for Hidden Gems, I would say Coherence of the Lodge. Love that. Top line, headliner, marquee, Hocus Pocus, the original. That is like every year. Still on that one. Okay. I watch it. Hocus Pocus. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. What? I don't know. What do you, what do you mean? I, I've, I've never seen it. So I can't. I, <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm not into like Saw with guys getting their eyeballs ripped out and fucking. 
I have the original saw actually on this list. I didn't mention it, but I do have the original saw yeah, on this list. It's weird. Okay, so well, I've never seen Hocus Pocus. Hocus you've Pocus. never seen a saw. Call it even. <laughs> Next entry. Do you want? Is this okay? Uh, and then uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, which some people try to figure out. Like, is it a Christmas movie? Is it uh, those two every single year? Fun fact about me: I was never into horror movies growing up. I was just like Craig, icky, yucky, gross, bad nightmares, whatever. And then I kind of like in college, right after college, kind of got into it. So I think Cabin in the Woods was like the first comedy horror movie I watched where I was like, oh, this can be fun and gruesome and weird. And like, I can dig into it. So like Cabin in the Woods and then, you know, Barbarian and all those kind of horror comedy movies. Hidden Gem for me is The Green Room, the 2015 movie starring Patrick Stewart and Anton Yelchin. That movie fucked me up for days. tried to get Craig to watch that movie so many times. (laughs) If you can get past the scene about the end of act one, then you're on a ride of your fucking life. But there's one scene that is very difficult to get through. But if you get through it, I mean, Patrick Stewart is a Nazi. And a bunch of hardcore punk kids fighting Nazis in the middle of the woods of Oregon. I mean, it's a punk band. It's a punk band, Craig. I keep telling you. I don't know. You can relate. uh, Yeah. I just pass next. (laughs) He passes. And then another one is The Witch. Ooh, yeah. Yep. Anya Taylor Joy breakout Um, role right there. A24, like quintessential New England, Salem, like like foggy woods type, just colonial pilgrim horror. Movie. I think that also really set the stage for the, the A24 template. Like if you think of, if you had to distill when people say A24 as if it's a, a genre, so to speak, like that's, that's it. That was it. Kicked it off. So that, and then some of the other ones, like Hereditary's fine. I, I think I... Hereditary and Midsummer are still two movies that I have a hard time not like hard time watching with looking through my eyes for some reason. They're just gruesome and like really reality grounded, but also make you feel like you're crazy. They're, at the they're same a little time. lower on the rewatchability, I would say for sure. They're great. Yeah, they're great, you do it once like, and you're I like, got it. "Holy yeah. shit!" Yeah, I'm good. So, um, yeah, uh, I would say my hidden gem is definitely the green room. If you can get past that first Love act, it. good picks. Such a great movie. Oh, and you know what was a good one from last year? I'm sorry. Sure. Before we move on to T Swift, bodies, bodies, bodies. I almost threw that on my list too. Actually, another one of those comedy Rose. horror movies that is just over the top and it's just hilarious and really fucked up. It's, it's interesting like you say you weren't as into horror because I also was never into horror until the last couple of years, and less so because all of a sudden, like my taste change per se more so because when I'm seeing as many movies as I am it just feels like I tend to get there tends to be more experimentation and like new stuff that I've never seen before in that genre versus when I watch action movies they're so samey now but when I go into horror movies I can find something that I've never seen before yeah, I mean, and it's you've seen someone stick to me so I've seen also someone gotten, stick C4 if someone's asked once you've seen it a thousand times you know what I'm saying <laughs> Well, I was going to say, listen to the last podcast. It seems like you're looking for inspiration for your next victims rather than, you know, for film enjoyment, for Christ's sake. All right, next segment. Let's go to the next segment. Well, fellas, I'm going to pitch this news story to you because for the first time on this here podcast, we have a hybrid news story slash should I go see it segment. 
folks in the audience may have heard, but Taylor Swift's Eras Tour concert film continues to sell out theaters across the country and the world. There have been plenty of news stories about its success and the genesis of the idea of releasing it in theaters, but our brave hosts, Bill and AJ, got to experience it firsthand in theaters, so please, gentlemen, tell us about your experience with the Swifties. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll start it out here to set the stage. I'm genuinely curious because I haven't heard any of this <laughs> yet before. Yeah, yeah. Craig's, Craig's hearing the story the first time also. Oh, well, first... Bill, you, Bill you're, I want you to quarterback this. I'll chime yeah, yeah, in yeah. as this. So, because, you know, I set it up. I wanted to go. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. Love her. Love her music. Don't know if I'm... I don't know what the, the definition of Swifty is. If it's just someone who likes their music, then yes. If it's like being obsessed with their life, then no. But either way, big Taylor Swift fan. Set it up, invited AJ. As we are on our way, I get the text from AJ saying, what are we doing? Like, what are, what are we even doing right now? I wanted to do yard work. It, it was, was a beautiful day. A beautiful, crisp, autumnal day here in New England. So going into it, AJ's biggest concern was yelling. He was afraid that there were going to be girls yelling. And just off-pitch scream uh, singing it, all it grates, around it yeah. grates on It grates on it. And, AJ. and I said to AJ, look, People are going to probably sing along. There might be some dancing, but I doubt it. I, they're not going to be screaming. They're going to be singing. Like, it's, there's a difference. That was my prediction. So, spoiler alert, remember, mm-hmm. remember that. Bill did not cover <laughs> the spread on that prediction. <laughs> so, AJ and I arrive. Great seats, first of all. And it's slower to fill in than I anticipated. Because when I bought the tickets, it was completely sold out. It was the only two seats together that I could find were the ones we had. Otherwise, it was sold out. So, we get there, and we're sitting there for like the first... 10 minutes and like barely anybody in there. So that was a little weird. Everyone seemed to start to arrive late. So by the time it started, it was 85% full, I would say. And during the, the, the commercials at the beginning, there's kids handing out friendship bracelets to like random other people in the rows in front of us. And they have like white. Let's pause there. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's pause there. These two cute girls are so handing nice. out bracelets. To everyone in the theater, except the only two <laughs> men in the theater that happened to be sitting next to each other, two <laughs> two rows behind them. True. Yeah, they, we did not get propositioned any sort of friendship bracelets. They also had no. like plain white T-shirts that people were like signing each other's shirts. I thought that was kind of clever. I will say the entire experience is very wholesome and very joyous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the concert movie starts and. At first, things are going fine, I think. There are some people singing along in their seats, but there's no dancing, nothing crazy. And at this rate, I'm thinking to myself, this is great. This, like, I want to watch this whole thing, but AJ's going to want to leave. What am I going to do? Because like, I'm in it. This is a great concert film. I love T. Smith. It's going really well. It's not too distracting. Like, I, I can do it. And then I got my first whiff of something going wrong when Taylor asked the crowd at SoFi Stadium to wave their hands and a third of our audience started to also (laughs) wave their hands. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, a little weird. My eyebrow goes up, but it's still doable. I could still watch this. And then one song came on that basically changed everything. Now, Craig, I don't know how familiar you are with her catalog, but could you guess? Do you have any guesses as to what song turned the tide and blew the roof off the fucking place? I'm going to take one guess, and I'm going to say Shake It Off. No. Fair guess, though. That's a really good guess, guess, Craig. Tell me. It was You Belong With Me. Romeo, That one? No, the one where it's... See the light of Kansas. 
The, the, the like, no. She wears shirts. Can't you see? Yeah, yeah. I wear t shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. As soon as that hit, boom. And this is when, like, quarter of the, of the crowd stands up, starts dancing, and the people that were singing, kind of just in general, now it becomes singing at yeah, top yeah, yeah. of lungs. Now we're scream singing. And, like, now straight up. <laughs> the, shrieks, the shrieks of a thousand and the best part was AJ's biggest concern was the yelling and the single loudest girl in the auditorium is directly behind AJ. Like, it's just chef's kiss. Just like, cannot. Did they help you better. out at all volume wise? Like, is this just playing at the regular volume of a regular movie? Or are they pumping it like crazy to compensate? They did tweak it up to compensate for sure. But there's no, there's no stopping. Was, but, there's, but when they're right behind you. Like, Craig. So it's, it's, and at this point, this is when it starts to grate. This is when it starts to grate on me as well. We're like, it's just too much. Like, I couldn't enjoy the experience as I normally would because it was just so loud screaming behind me. Just tough. And you know what? Good for them. Good for them. Like, when we, when we, when we walked in, there was like a, a woman probably in her 40s or 50s that had like her mother. She took her mother. They had like pink boas on and stuff. And the woman was like, you know, I couldn't get tickets to go see the concert in real life. This is the next best thing for my mom. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is inc- like incredible. Yeah. Like, Taylor Swift, although she's making more money than God yeah. himself or herself, it's truly fan service. And I get that. But like, I'm a fucking almost 40-year-old man. I don't need that on a Sunday. Yeah. So I'm tr- I'm sweating bets on my phone trying to like not pay attention. Like I'm- the only way AJ is getting 100 decibels in his ears on a Sunday afternoon is if it's a, a weed whacker or a leaf blower. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, put the leaf blower on me. Give me a nice two-stroke engine. Yeah, yeah no, it Again, was- overall wholesome, joyous, great experience for the fans. If that's oh, the like the so environment awesome. for for them to like have that outlet and get a chance to do that. Fantastic. I'm happy for them for my viewing experience. Not what I want to do, but to get to the actual like review of it, so to speak, it's amazingly well done. Like it's unarguable that the set, the concert itself, obviously the music, the cinematography, the sound design, the editing, like as a piece of entertainment, no one else is doing this. Like it, it well, is, one person else is doing it, but yeah. I mean, Beyonce is doing literally the exact same thing. <laughs> so there's just one other person that's doing it, but the other six billion of us on earth are not doing it. But even that I doubt will do as well as this. Like this is the height of pop culture sure, and pop sure, entertainment sure, sure, right sure, now. Sure, sure. Like it's, it's, it's was unreal. it all at SoFi or was it all one show or was it like, comp together like across like did you get little things at the bottom that was like paris london la no from what from what we saw it was all sofi again i think it was one night in sofi yeah which was kind of crazy because i had the same thing because i said well you know when they do comedy shows they'll do like which is in la for those that don't know two two sets in a night or three sets in the night and they film all three and then they basically try to cut as seamless as possible depending on how the crowd reacts and how the the the, co- the comedian delivers the line and stuff like that. But it seemed like this was, I mean, she could have done multiple nights at SoFi. I don't know, but it was, it was also, but yeah. So the, the conceit of this whole tour is the, the set list is broken up by different album, which is like a couple songs from each album as the different eras of her 
musical discography. Yep. And there's which is accompanied by a set change and a costume change and all that. So we saw uh, that should have, that would have should have informed my guess. God damn it. Yeah. Well, what, what an idiot I am. Well, I was gonna that was gonna be my hint if you wanted one because we watched it opens with her doing the album Lover, so she did a couple songs from that, and then switched to Fearless. And that's when that song came on. So we watched both those two eras. And then when she was switching from Fearless to whatever was next is when we hightailed it for the exit and uh, got out of there. Uh, the movie, the concert movie itself, from what I saw, was extremely good. And I do in- greatly want to finish watching it. The downside is I won't be able to watch it from home until at least January because it's a 13-week exclusive theater run before it'll be available anywhere else that's at what, any point. That's what negotiating so my power plan, looks like, my friends. Hell yeah. So my plan is to catch a showing at some point in a couple weeks when it's died down a bit. They've added Thursday shows as opposed to just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so some of the Thursday shows, from what I've seen, seat-wise, only have a couple people in them. So I'm going to try to find one of those. And Oh, I, I did not know they were only doing it on weekends. That's interesting. Oh, when the t- yeah, the tickets, when they were first released and still, are only available. She's only showing it on the weekends to increase the chance that the theaters will be full and people will get to see it together. So I can't just go on like a Tuesday afternoon. I got to, but they added Thursdays to that plan and those tend to be a little more open ticket wise. So I'm going to definitely finish it. I definitely want to. It was very good, but uh, yeah, quite the experience that uh, we got to have. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. What'd you guys do after? Just go to like the diviest bar you could find just to like pound back some, 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 some brown liquor and (laughs) red meat. Yeah, basically, I, we, we got uh, lunch. Yeah, we ba- we went to we got lunch, had a few brewskis, watched the Patriots game. Really grounded me back in reality. It was necessary. Yeah, I'm glad you guys had that experience together. All right, Bill, we will be talking about today one of the most anticipated movies of 2023, Killers of the Flower Moon. According to IMDb.com, when oil is discovered in 1920s Oklahoma. Under the Osage Nation land, the Osage people are murdered one by one until the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. Bill, should I go see it? Yes, for sure. As you said, highly anticipated. Martin Scorsese directed one of the best to ever do it. Before we get into the movie itself, I do have two quick comments on the experience of watching the movie. One of these relates back to Taylor Swift, we'll get to. But first of all, like I was saying about Taylor Swift also, this movie is three hours and 26 minutes long, which when I get to the review itself, I'll talk about that. But be warned, this movie, when I saw it at AMC, also had a full slate of trailers and Nicole Kidman's intro. And so you're sitting in that seat for four hours minimum, which is unconscionable. Like you have to adapt and cut out some trailers if you're going to have a movie this long. But anyway... The other thing about this movie I noticed, and this could have been just the theater I was in, but it is quiet. It's a quiet movie. It's a slow drama. So that's by design. It's not flashy. Uh, But the Taylor Swift Eras Tour, as we talked about, not so quiet, happened to be in the auditorium next to me. And most of the time that didn't matter. But at one point, you know, people are leaving the theater because it's three hours and 26 minutes. So they're stepping out to use the restroom or make calls. Anytime our theater door opened and the other theater door happened to be open at like the emotional climax of this movie, all of a sudden, all I could hear was Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. <laughs> like it was <laughs> tough, <laughs> really tough on that one. 
But anyway, what do you the think? Movie what do you think has more in t- Taylor Swift related interruptions? That movie that you saw, or any NFL football game? Pro- no, yeah, you can't. <laughs> the football <laughs> games because they bump to her anytime they bump to commercial, they cut to her. Or anytime Travis Kelsey does anything, they cut to her. So yeah, the the movie itself is it's it's a masterpiece. I mean, like every aspect of the craft here is in peak form: directing, editing. Acting, like my goodness, the acting. I have to start there. De Niro gives one of the best performances of his career, full stop. And you get to see him acting again, which feels right. Like not in any of these small random parts he's done. Like he gets to give a wonderfully written and nuanced performance. And it's just, it's one of his best roles. I can't say enough about De Niro in this movie. And then you have DiCaprio and he gets to play a role that is different from what he normally does. Like he plays kind of a dim-witted, conflicted guy, and he's 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 fantastic. And then Lily Gladstone as Molly, his wife, and the female lead is like magnetic. Can't take your eyes off her when she's on screen. She steals every screen she's in. Like all these people will get nominated for Oscars, and most of them are gonna win them. Like the acting is just amazing, and the movie itself tells a really interesting and important story and it does so with reverence and respect to the people involved in the material like you mentioned in the intro it's in Oklahoma in the 1920s you know the Osage Nation discover oil on their land and they become the wealthiest group of people in the country at the time and then this movie is about some white men that come in and sort of swindle them out of their money and their oil rights and murder them there's a series of murders that take place in the process and it's heartbreaking it's a heartbreaking story it's based on the novel, and you can kind of feel that level of detail in the script. You can tell it comes from a novel. And it's, it's a story that needed to be told, and they did it. I mean, it's, it's, like I said, masterpiece. So, I mean, bravo, Bill. Um, I will see it in the theaters, hopefully. The biggest thing right now from people like Martin Scorsese and Christopher Nolan and Spielberg are like, you can binge 12 hours of TV in a row. You can sit through one of our films that's three and a half hours long. The problem is when you factor in credits, getting to the theater, leaving, driving home, that's like a five-hour day. So what people are going to ask you, probably me when I see it, is knowing that this will be released. I think Apple was the distributor. It's technically an Apple Films, right? Is it? based on the sheer length of the film, is it going to be a a thing where you're going to have a lot of people waiting for it to come out on streaming? Or is it truly a masterpiece and you need to see it in the, in the space that it deserves? Quote. It's hard to say. I I mean, my only knock on it is the length. I I do think that three hours and 26 minutes is a long runtime, especially for like a slow burning historical drama. I think it earns it in terms of the amount of story it tells. I I think you could have cut some, but either way, it was going to be three hours no matter what. But yeah, I mean, I got a little bit fidgety and and I could feel the audience around me did too. It's a big ask, like you said. But all that being said, I do think the theater experience is still worth it for me to see those performances on the big screen. I think it's worth it. I think think the thing that is that is going to be the most affected by that is the rewatchability. Like Scorsese in general, 
a lot of his movies, for me, The Color of Money in particular, but also things like Goodfellas Casino, like you can throw those on and watch them and you want to. I don't picture, given the subject matter and the length, I don't picture myself watching this uh, maybe once again at some point in my life, but not a lot of rewatchability there. So when people are going to inevitably also ask, like, where does it rank among Scorsese? It's for quality, it's up there with the best work he's ever done. For like rewatchability, it's on the lower side. But yeah, I, I would have liked I would have liked an intermission, to be honest. And I know that sounds crazy and some people think that's like sacrilege, but Tarantino did it with Hateful Eight. I saw that in Boston and they did the, the 70 millimeter or whatever it was. And they did a 12 minute intermission. And it was like the perfect length to just step out, use a restroom, come back. Boom, you resettled and you're back in it. Uh, and I just, I wish more more directors wanted to try that. Is there, I mean, you saw it at, at a nationwide chain of AMC. Is there any, have you heard of any like art houses or like Alamo draft houses or any like small local theaters that have that built into it? Or is it just. I have not heard of anybody doing that. Three and a half. Just, my understanding is it just plays. So yeah. So it's, again, you guys got to I mean, be prepared for it. Uh, but it's, it is, it is worth it. It is a hell of a story and it's told in, impeccably well. I mean, I have no, I mean, I have, I'm, you know how big of a fan I am of Martin Scorsese. I know I will watch this as soon as I have the chance. My only question about this, and it's not about this, it's about this idea of rewatchability. I think we've talked about it a lot recently. Like I, I had that same feeling when it came to Oppenheimer. I was like, great, amazing. I'm not going to, I'm never going to watch that again. Like 19 Roger Deakins, Deakins, Sam Mendes, fantastic. Like I might watch some clips on YouTube, but like, I'm never going to watch that again. Do you think that's, I feel like that's newer in Hollywood that these grand scale, emotionally draining movies are like kind of a one and done type thing because it's really hard to just, like you said, you know, rainy day or doing work. I'm going to pop this on in the background and I can kind of, listen, laugh, and, and enjoy the things that I remember, and I don't have to be fully invested in it. Yeah, I think I think it, a lot of it boils down to just the subject matter more than anything else and how that subject matter is handled. And I just think this is such an intense topic that it doesn't lend itself to that. And I think the, the examples you gave, I would argue it differently on Oppenheimer, but 1917, I, I do think, has some of that intensity. Obviously, like the ultimate example would be like Schindler's List. Like You don't just watch that like you have to sit down and experience it and i think this is just kind of in that realm uh as good as it is and i think it's just different for scorsese who his other movies are considered like rewatch classics so it's a little different for him but i think it all boils down to the, the subject matter at the end of the day love it great all right bill last segment netflix and bill what are you watching and what are you going to be watching soon I'll start with the things that I'm currently watching and then we'll get into the thing that we all or most of us watched. Uh, Rick and Morty season seven has started with new voice actors in place for Rick and Morty. What? Yeah. Remember we talked about that. He got a, a sexual assault charge. Yeah, the, sexual, yeah, the uh, co-creator right? Justin Roiland has been let go and he did both voices. Oh, I was Rick just about Morty. to ask, is that both voices? Oh, I did not. It is. So now they have brought in two different people, one for Rick, one for Morty, who are basically impersonators, who just do the best possible huh. Rick and Morty impersonation. And honestly, can't really tell the difference. Like, they are very good. Wow. Very good. Uh, 
There's an interesting article, I forget where I read it, just like about that process of them trying to go find Rick and Morty replacements and taking all these auditions and tapes and uh, people sending in clips and finding people. Because they didn't know if they were going to, do they change the voices of Rick and Morty and write that into the show somehow? Do they use AI to, like, they have enough on file to just use an AI? There was a big question about what they're going to do, but they ended up finding impersonators. Bill sent it to me, and it was crazy because, and I follow a few people, or I saw a couple reels on Instagram where people was like, oh, tag, you know, tag Adult Swim, like, this is my audition tape for Rick and Morty. And the article talked about the fact that, like, a lot of these people could read a script that was already written and do an impersonation of a scene that was done in season one. But like, or like, hey, we need you to improv the scene or do, like Rick and Morty are conversational. So like you need to have a conversation off the cuff as Rick or as Morty. These people couldn't do it because like the only thing they knew were the things that they've already seen yeah, and they, heard before. Yeah, they're unique voices in the in the voice acting space or in the, in the yeah. sound space. Okay. Sure. Anyways, Rick and Morty, put them so, on the board. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's on and they're pretty good. So, uh, that's always good. That show is always enjoyable. Still watching Loki season two, still don't really care about it, but I'm watching it anyway. Uh, and then so started and finished fall of the house of Usher on Netflix. One of the best television shows of all time. Fight me. AJ blasted through it as well. Craig, you are. I am not. And I don't binge. I think we are three episodes in. We had a wedding this week. We've been, we've been, we've been doing a lot. So we're, we're, we're getting there. By this, by our next recording, I will have completed it for sure. I'm going to, I'm going to, that's, that's a, that's a Stanton guarantee. How did you not, how did you not just yeah, plow through Yeah, sucked that? in. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm enjoying it, but I wasn't like, we need to, you know, I mean, it's good. It's good. You guys just talk. You guys tell the people about it. I'm I'm enjoying it so far. It's not just good, Craig. It's one of the greatest pieces of art. Yeah. See, I fear, I fear we're overselling a little bit, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm I'm not. I'm only a little bit in. I stand by it. I stand by it. Well, I never, I never doubted your conviction, Bill. I'm I'm doubting the accuracy of your take. The Mona Lisa, the birth of Venus. No, I, of... The statue. I of David think of it. I think of it up there with Hamilton in terms of in terms of the brilliance and in terms of the 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 level, the next level of art. Be, that and that's just is. because of the Edgar Allan Poeiness of it all. Is why you're putting it into the yes. realm of uh, the historical fiction. Yes, it's just because like, to the untrained eye, it's just a show. It's like spooky succession uh, to, to, to the to the yeah, idiot. It's it's yeah <laughs> yeah. I mean you're you're you're, you're missing something <laughs> you're there. Minimizing yeah. it. You're missing something yeah, there. Yeah, but that's what it is. It's 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 spooky succession soft with a American horror. literary component. Yes, and they the 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 thread that entwines all of it is through the works of Edgar Allan Poe. And Bill told this to me, and I was like. Fuck off. Like, you're just sitting on thumbs blowing smoke up places. And then I watched the first episode and I was like, oh, this this guy's really going to, this guy really is going to do it. And then you just get deeper and deeper and deeper and you're like, oh my God. Like If they, so big Edgar Allan Poe fan, always happen. So, so obviously there's a little bias there. But even if he had decided, because he already does anthology shows, Mike Flanagan, the writer, director, creator, he already has anthology shows. So if you had told me he was going to do a series where each episode is also kind of standalone and he just decided to modernize 
Edgar Allan Poe stories and tell them anew, that alone I would have been sold, sold in the room to just do new takes on Poe stories. Love it. But the fact that he takes those stories, modernizes them, and then weaves them into one cohesive narrative while also working in some of his poetry and some other historical context, it's just that's where it becomes just the next level of, oh my God. Then that as a, as a concept is enough and the writing is enough. Then you get into the execution of the actual nuts and bolts of the filming, the cinematography, the editing, the music, some of the best acting any of these actors have ever done in their lives. Bruce Greenwood, shout out MVP in this show. Like you add all that together and it just becomes this incredible masterwork that I cannot emphasize enough. I love it. I'm happy for you. You need to go for those listening. Have go watch to. it. It's a must see. It's not optional. Go watch it. You got seven days left to spooky season. You can watch it in three and you get some time to spare. Put the kids to bed early. Pop that on. Pour a nice glass of red wine or some brown liquor and you will be thrown into a world. Here's the thing about the show, Tell Bill. Me. Tell before me. Before we move on. We don't on. need to move on. Keep going. There was times where I was watching it where I was like, am I the unreliable narrator in this show? Like, is this is this show taking over my mind so much that now I have a warped perception of what reality and what this show is mm, or is yep. not? How do you do that? Just... That's something Great special right there. Yep. Craig's got a raised eyebrow. I think now that he's, we're talking more about it, it, I think I've actually only watched two episodes. So I'm like even less in than I <laughs> said I originally was. Don't worry. I'm going to be in. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. But the end of two should adjust. Next time you gotcha. see me, Good. black eyeshadow, oh, overcoat. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a cape. It's going to be weird. <laughs> Love it. I'm going to have a domesticated <laughs> raven on my shoulder. Outstanding. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay, we talked for a while. Let's. Wh- what do you? What do you get tickets for? All right, so upcoming, we got Five Nights at Freddy's. When are you going to see this movie? Never I feel like you've been it. talking about going to see this movie for six weeks. I, it's the only thing that is like coming. This out. has been in the "What are we seeing soon?" segment for at least three episodes since middle of July. I buy. I. I buy my tickets early, Craig. I don't know what to tell you. It comes out this Thursday. Okay, Just relax. Get this no over with. Honestly, Pre- premise is a basically a Chuck E. Cheese. Haunted Chuck E. Cheese. I don't know. It's based on a video game I never yeah, played. Okay. And then there's the Marvels. I have my tickets for the Marvels. Looks like fucking which, garbage. Again, MCU over it, but here we are. Road to a thousand. And then Ugh. the holdovers. Paul Giamatti, Alexander Payne movie. Very excited for that. Got my oh, ticket you for, that. for that. When, when are you going to? When are you I don't see remember. That? We'll, we'll chat offline. You want to join? Yeah, t- I I would love to. I, I'm I'm I we're love big Giamatti pod Giamatti, sure. and I love big time weird comedy art housey. Yeah. Well, speaking of Giamatti, the series finale of Billions is this weekend. So next episode, I'll be able to give you my final thoughts on Billions, one of my favorite shows of the moment. Can I be honest with you? Every time you talk about it, I don't really listen. <laughs> what Billions? <laughs> just tune out. Yeah, it just seems like I thought you were yeah, a Giamatti I just, guy. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. You don't want to watch Paul Giamatti yell at people every Sunday night? I do. And I have been for seven seasons. That's a lot of yelling. Seven seasons seasons of Giamatti yelling at people. It's great. Wait, I forgot to add something that I've been watching. The newest season. I don't know why. uh, Hannah loves it. My wife loves it. I'm I'm just along for the ride. The newest season of The Morning Show on Apple TV is, was I don't know, 
we're week four in, week five in, week six in. They, they're still making the show, Bill. I know you have this look on your face. No, I've just, I just haven't show. gotten into it, but I know that this. And I'm still. And I know I'm still that this watching. season added John Hamm, which single-handedly makes me want to potentially watch. And they're still talking about fucking COVID. Oh, in the show? Well, yeah. Remember the fir- the thing that you you bumped on when we first talked about it was the fact that like we watch things to kind of get oh, away from like yeah, reality yeah, 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 or current. Sure. And you're like, okay, like it's gonna go away, and then it comes back in season two. Like they still are in COVID, and now in this. You know, we're in present day 2023, but all every other episode is a callback to something that happened during the lockdown or during COVID. What the fuck? Don't know. Can't speak to it. I just know I like John Hamm. I'm just saying. He's one of the finest God actors in the day. All right, Bill. Good to be back, boys. Thanks for not all firing right. me. And thank you for listening to the Shit I Got See It podcast. Jesus Christ, the outros <laughs> are. I'm trying. I don't know. I'm trying to get us out of here. Good night, everybody. Follow on Instagram.